welcome to Awaken Podcast. I hope you enjoy the teaching. Good morning. How are you guys doing? Welcome to this place. Welcome to this community. As we begin, I want to remind us that God is in this place. And therefore, the possibility of resurrection. Do we believe that? What might happen here because of that? A new world could be created in our midst. A new thought might lodge in our minds that alters our course. An unexpected hope could lodge in our heart where there has been little. A wild joy might get into our feet, make us to dance. Peace might gather us in like a warm blanket because we have been very cold through a long night of fear. Love, love might call our names into a new way of being. And this is all because the God of resurrection is here, the God who is waking us up. So let's be awakened. Amen? Let's have ears to hear eyes at sea. It's good to gather. My name is Ben Rosenbush, as Micah said, and uh, this is a pic of my family. I'm the guy with the hat. (laughs) That's my wife, Jackie, and my daughter, Fia. We're going to have a son at the end of July. So pumped about that. Thank you. That's kind. I uh, spend my time as the creative arts pastor at Westwood Church, and I do a bit of songwriting when I get a chance to. Micah asked me to come be here today, as you know, because he's on sabbatical. And let me say, it is such a good and right thing that you have sent him out on this timeful experience, this place of rest. You have a tremendous, powerful, and beautiful gift in Micah as a leader. And as you invest into him, as you care for him, you bless yourselves. So thanks for being a witness in that way. It's also a real joy for me to be here too because I share history with this community. When Micah first had the crazy idea of starting this community, I jumped in as the worship leader and this community has left an indelible mark on my own life, my own growth. I believe in this community. I believe in who's here, the hearts that comprise it and what God calls these hearts to do. So it's good to be with you. Today's message focuses on the prophet Jeremiah. I'm so pumped. But I would describe it about 40% downer, 60% upper. So we turn out better in the end, right? If we're going to talk about Jeremiah, that's how it is. The title this morning is The Tomb of the Present is the womb of the future. Learning to lament and imagine like Jeremiah. Now I have two people to individually thank for that title that I just said. One is Walter Brueggemann. I'm sure there's a lot of fans of Walter Brueggemann in this room, and I hope so that there's more after this talk. But his work of prophetic imagination, I am largely echoing. This is a work of his life that has largely inspired me. 
And the second individual is, I hope I'm pronouncing her name right, Valerie Carr. She's an activist and lawyer who recently spoke out this utterly prophetic question for our times. Listen to it. What if this is not the darkness of the tomb, but the darkness of the womb? Now, I could stop right there, but I'm going to keep going. My title this morning is just saying a yes and amen to what she just said, that the tomb of the present is indeed the womb of the future. And Jeremiah has something to teach us about that. He has a way of doing this, of embracing it and enacting it through lament and imagination. So as we begin, I want to invite you to stand as this wakens tradition as we read the scripture, our opening passage this morning. This is Jeremiah 1, 4 through 10, the word of the Lord. The word of the Lord came to me saying, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I set you apart. I appointed you as a prophet to the nations. Alas, sovereign Lord, I said, I do not know how to speak. I am too young. But the Lord said to me, do not say I am too young. You must go to everyone I send you to and say whatever I command you. Do not be afraid of them, for I am with you and will rescue you, declares the Lord. Then the Lord reached out his hand and touched my mouth and said to me, I have put my words in your mouth. See, today I appoint you over nations and kingdoms to uproot and tear down, to destroy and overthrow, to build and to plant. Let's pray together. God of creation, we seek your face. We thank you for your word that produces life in the hearer. We thank you that you recreate us again and again according to your image. As we lean into your word this morning, let it speak in a fresh way. Let it tear down what is false in us so that it might build up what is true and of you again. Let it change us. Let it heal. And let it return us to hope. Amen. Friends, you can have a seat. So that passage I just read is the call of Jeremiah to be a prophet to the nations and to the nation of Israel. And there are six very key verbs in that last verse, if you caught them. There's four negative, two positive. And these verbs shape the character and trajectory of Jeremiah's whole ministry. They're what he does and says. And they are to uproot and tear down, destroy and overthrow, and the positives to build and to plant. And as he enacts these verbs through his ministry, 
Jeremiah then demonstrates to us what it means to be the people of God through these two key practices, lament and imagination. It's through these two actions that I believe Jeremiah serves as a really important and timely model for us right now. Through lament and imagination, the prophet reveals a particular way of being in this world that we're invited into to join God's work within this world in these two ways. So this message is an invitation to emulate lament and imagination. As we uncover those two words, let's first get a portrait of the prophet in our minds. Let's ask who he was, what time he lived in, and what he said and did. So inquiring after the man the moment, and the message. So the man, well, we know something about him, but we don't know everything. As with many biblical characters, it's really hard to get a precise biographical information like we do now. But what we can hear from the text is that Jeremiah comes from a family of priests that King Solomon kicked out of Jerusalem. They were too radical. So this guy comes as a fiery outsider into the city, confronting complacent kings, false prophets, and greedy priests. He's an intense guy. There are many stories about his life woven through the prophecies in the book, but there's a debate about how much we can tell of the man Jeremiah from the book of Jeremiah. There were a lot of editors who came and wove the book together. But I think, in a beautiful sense, that this helps us to understand that Jeremiah is a community of people. A community comprised of the prophet himself, his scribe named Baruch, his editors and redactors, his hearers and readers all woven together, together, within the prophetic word. And so as I speak about Jeremiah, let's hear him in that community context. Of course, what's still important for us to know is that from the book, we do get a vision of the person, his essence. And these words, we can know, are inspired by God to do a good work, which we are invited into today, as we are invited into, in a sense, this community that is Jeremiah, who laments and imagines. So the moment that Jeremiah encounters, Jeremiah spoke his message during a watershed moment of Israel's history, the Babylonian exile of 587, as a clear date and a crisis for Israel. And it's into that essential crisis that Jeremiah predicts it, laments over it, and imagines beyond it. He laments the tomb of the present to imagine it as the womb of the future, right? This book begins with the time of King Josiah's religious reforms and ends 
with Israel going into exile. The beginning, King Josiah's reforms, this was a time of hope and joy and promise. The king had rediscovered the book of the law in the temple. He tore his clothes and vowed to reform the nation. We are going to be who we are meant to be again. That's where the book starts. He destroyed the false prophets spread across the land, King Jeremiah or King Josiah, and recommitted Israel to covenantal fidelity. That term, covenantal fidelity, means that he was seeking to reclaim Israel's central identity as the people of God. Okay? The people of God who are uniquely in this world to bless the whole world. The people of God who are committed to the covenant which says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, your soul, your strength, your mind. And love your neighbor as yourself. A people defined by that creed. But this reform turned out to be a flop. It failed. And in the end, the people who had been brought out of slavery in Egypt find themselves walking into Babylon, exiled. In anticipation of that failure, in the moment of present fire that's burning towards future ashes, Jeremiah speaks his message. The message was simple. You people of God are guilty of idolatry and injustice. You have forgotten your identity as the people of God, idolatry. And you have forgotten the ways of love, injustice. Jeremiah believes that these two overarching sins are what caused the Israel people to go into exile. This is what causes the Babylonian exile for this nation. Israel's political and religious and social leaders of the day cared more about containing their power than caring for the vulnerable. They adulterously bound themselves to other gods in the crude visions of the world that belonged to those gods. Israel hoarded its own wealth and shut out the poor. They didn't give a rip about the orphan, the widow, the needy, the immigrant. They kept the outcasts on the outside. They sacrificed their own children on stone altars so as to safeguard their systems of economy. They had forgotten who they were, the people defined by loving God and loving others. In Jeremiah's own words, he writes this poem. Like cages full of birds, their houses are full of deceit. They have become rich and powerful and have grown fat and sleek. Their evil deeds have no limit. They do not seek justice. They do not promote the case of the fatherless. They do not defend. 
the just cause of the poor. In chapter 2, on your clothes is found the lifeblood of the innocent poor. So the prophet speaks to the people. Return, embrace your identity again. But they don't. They don't return. And it's at the loss of this identity, at the reek of this idolatry and injustice that Jeremiah hurls his message forward through these two practices that I've mentioned. Powerful lament, powerful imagination. Both of these involve speech, the message spoken in powerful words. But let's hear speech as not only what we say, but what we do. What is spoken through your life in words and in deeds. So speech is the mode of his message. Jeremiah was an artist, a, prof, a poet and prophet. He used words to confront and to create, to tear down and build up, to uproot and plant, and this is the mode in which he fulfills the call. Those six verbs that we looked at. Walter Brueggemann argues that Jeremiah's poetry leverages this reality-bending power of the spoken word. He argues that his poetry demonstrates that speech destroys worlds and speech creates worlds. Lament and imagination. Words are not mere description. Words shape our reality. They shape how we understand the world and each other. For instance, if we use the term illegal to describe a person fleeing violence and oppression, that word begins to destroy the humanity of that person. Human beings can do illegal things, but human beings can't be an illegal. Illegal is an adjective, not a noun. But to use it as a noun is speech seeking to destroy the world of empathy. However, to call a person fleeing violence, seeking refuge, brother, sister, child, friend, fellow human being. This is speech that destroys the world of oppression. It is speech beginning to create the world of compassion and belonging. Speech destroys worlds, and speech creates worlds. So this is the mode that Jeremiah uses through enacting lament and imagination. Let's look at both of these words now a little more deeply. Lament. Jeremiah is known as the weeping prophet. Many of us have heard that. With words that wept, he spoke the truth, he told it like it was, and he made people furious. 
especially those who are in power. He was nearly killed many times. In one instance, they threw him down a well and left him for dead. His lament was brave. His lament was subversive. His lament was speech destroying the world of privilege that had become so commonplace and evil. His poems employed provocative metaphor to wring out his own heart. He brought the message to himself and to wring out the hearts of his hearers toward a repentance, toward a hopeful renewal. In one metaphor of lament, he depicts Israel as a woman in labor, but the baby she delivers is born to an impending death. I hear a cry as of a woman in labor, a groan as of one bearing her first child, the daughter of Zion gasping for breath, stretching out her hands and saying, Alas, I am fainting. My life is given over to murderers. Jeremiah writes another poem of lament about the whole world coming undone. He depicts the story of creation, but in reverse, a world moving from order into chaos. I looked the earth and it was formless and empty, and at the heavens and their light was gone. I looked at the mountains and they were quaking and the hills were swaying. I looked and there were no people. Every bird in the sky had flown away. I looked and the fruitful land was a desert all the towns lay in ruins before the Lord, before his fierce anger. Jeremiah puts pain into words that begin to shake our heart awake. He goes to the potter's house and finds another metaphor. He buys a pot from this potter, gathers people for the word, breaks it on the ground in front of them. Speech destroying worlds. Lament. So these poems of Jeremiah lament an unbearable brokenness being experienced that needed to be spoken out in order for it to meet a newness that had not yet come. From lament then, Jeremiah enacts imagination. Imagination says, let it be on earth as it is in heaven. An author that I've recently just come to love so much, Cecilia Gonzalez Andrew. She writes in her book, Bridge to Wonder, we need to see with humility if we are to become aware of our pain so that the pain may be transformed into promise. Through humility, we lament the pain of right now, the tomb of the present, so that through imagination, we begin to awaken to the promise of newness, 
that this is in fact the womb of the future. Enacting imagination therefore involves declaring a different world than the one presented to you. Walter Brueggemann again says it in this way, God's people are always departing the lethal grip of the ordinarily possible. And more, prophetic ministry consists of offering an alternative perception of reality. It's thinking in a different way. It's declaring a different view of life into this place. It's speech creating worlds. This is what Jeremiah does. He imagines a healing coming to Israel that is impossible. This is what the Lord says, your wound is incurable, your injury beyond healing. But I will restore you to health and heal your wounds. Even God says it's impossible. But God also says, I will make possible what is impossible. In this way, Jeremiah powerfully imagines and begins to enact those positive verbs to build and to plant. Can we, like Jeremiah, imagine what God will build from a world destroyed? Can we, like Jeremiah, imagine what will be planted into an uprooted ground? Can we, like Jeremiah, imagine life coming from death? So that should sound familiar to you. For what is spoken in Jeremiah, the weeping for the right now and the hoping for the not yet culminates in Jesus Christ. In those days and at that time, I will make a righteous branch sprout from David's line and he will do what is just and right in the land. In those days, Judah will be saved and Jerusalem will live in safety. This is the name by which it will be called, the Lord, our righteous Savior, Jesus Christ. The cross of Christ is the ultimate lament realized. Speaking death to the ways of this world its unholiness and injustice. And Christ's resurrection is the ultimate imagination realized. Speaking the impossibility of new life into the midst of present death so that a new possibility might take form. Who can imagine such a thing? Who can envision that? The same Spirit who raised Christ from the dead lives in you and in me. The Holy Spirit is the great imaginer within us. 
And so this, friends, is what the Holy Spirit teaches us. This is what Jeremiah teaches us, and this is what we are called to do and to be as the prophetic people of God, to embrace lament, boldly weeping out our current brokenness, and to enact imagination, to joyfully speak into existence the reality of resurrection. As we walk out our faith in this way, in our today, we usher in the reality of the kingdom of God, which is contrary to the reality of this world, which declares with boldness that the tomb of the present is the womb of the future. That is what we are invited into embracing and enacting. Find us online at www.awakencommunity.com or on Facebook at www.facebook.com backslash awakencommunity or on Twitter at awakencommunity. See you next time.